0: Welcome to episode 25 of the Cincy Postcast. Boy, do we have a full show for you in part one. We're talking that Atlanta draw, two to two heartbreak. We uh, tried to not make it all about the referees, but you know, we got to talk about that VAR decision in part two. A little bit of an MLS grab bag. Uh, Austin Capos getting out of hand. Brandon Vasquez to Leeds United what and a soccer blog book club uh people seem to love this so we found a little blog uh to to sort of critique an article it's one of really good interesting discussion and in part three we're gonna touch on that New York Red Bulls preview and that is your episode 25. Joining me to discuss all of that. I mean, can you imagine? This is a jam packed episode. We're going to try to cram as much as we can here into as close to an hour as we can get. Uh, we've got two gentlemen who write writing articles again. Guys, what happened here? Is, is the post back? Hashtag post back? What that's happened? Just, that's, that's
1: how much, that's how angry the officiating in this match made me, and how just fundamentally annoyed I was at people online defending bad officiating that it made me want to do something we don't do at the post any longer and that's right article I was so mad I wrote an article for the post
2: and
0: I, Pen and I took my to
2: meet paper and I and I, I took my cues from some other people that kind of float around the fan base where I had something typed to nobody on my on my personal computer for months and then I saw somebody tweet about the same subject matter and I needed to take you know like First in the chat, credit <laughs> for, for that, yeah. <laughs> had it first. Public
0: credit goes to Stephen Banks, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> private credit, absolutely, to Grayson Chalmers. Uh, no, of course, that that is the uh, the lovely voice first you heard of the chief war pig, and then second of. Grayson Chalmers and Grayson, I don't think I tweeted out the link to your article. It is up on the site. That'll go up probably uh, immediately after the uh, the tweet will after the posts uh, postcast going up. So if you're listening to this, that article is live. It's a good dive into uh, MLS facing a discrimination lawsuit that looks like it's got some teeth certainly glancing around at the the recent hires made by the league you, you certainly think whatever their equivalent of the Rooney rule wasn't quite working out there um
1: it's a it's a dichotomy of <laughs> i just ranted in an unhinged fashion about how much i hate officials and how Officials are glorified mall cops and they deserve (laughs) no respect. And then Grayson actually brings actual scholarship to the post. (laughs) So we're really we're on the entire spectrum of what the post has to offer right here in terms of shit posting and actual content. (laughs)
0: That's I I, I don't want to I don't want to derail where
2: we live. (laughs) I I don't want to derail the chat here, but I do think it's fair to point out that if, you know, all you're going to do is put out put out press releases, which are, you know, public statements. Then somebody else puts out a competing public statement and there's not really, you know, any reason to take one side over the other. So, I I don't know. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. And
0: speaking of, uh, we've got... uh a match to talk about. I, 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 part of me would wouldn't mind forgetting this match, but I think there's too many lessons to be learned from this game to not talk about it. FC Cincinnati and Atlanta, uh, they they draw two to two in a match that. I think on balance, I think it'd be fair to say a draw was a good result, might even tip the the scale a little bit to Atlanta, but I know I left that match feeling frustrated and and uh, feeling like FCC had really blown one. But how um, could you not
1: how could you not feel frustrated yes. though? It's like we yes. spent all this time waiting for <laughs> Matt Miazga to show up, only for him to only play 60 minutes, and then as soon as he leaves the match, the guy that replaces him, that we all know is terrible. <laughs> He comes in and blows the game.
2: <laughs> I hate was... to
1: put it on one guy, but, like, Tyler Blackett gets caught ball watching, doesn't yes. go with his man, and, yeah, we're going to talk about the officiating later, but it's like, yep, that's why they signed Matt Miazga, and, yep, that's why it's still really weird and really strange they gave Blackett a pay raise and a contract extension for the rest of the year. Just it yeah. was, It was well, all of to... our frustrations come home to roost, and it was like, oh, Matt Miazga was supposed to fix this. It's like, well, only if he's on the field. And if he's not on the field, he's not fixing this. <laughs>
2: well, you had to keep Ian Murphy healthy and available for heck is plausible. So
0: <laughs> yes, you
2: know,
1: I mean the, the real matchup this weekend. Let's you, you, don't, yes. don't think that MLS is where it was at this weekend. No, it was the game they were giving free tickets away to the next day. That's what we really had to have our talent on the field for.
0: Yep. Uh, super frustrating. Yes, uh, Chief. I'll, I'll echo all of your points there, that Blackett came in in, uh, instead of Murphy. Murphy then started and played uh, the entire first half uh, the very next day in TQL Stadium. Uh, But it was just a perfect reminder. You very rarely see a new signing uh, come in on a transfer like this and just, like, immediately prove why that they were brought in. You always have these, like, moments where, like, the player has to bet in. But this time, Miazga was perfectly fine. And Blackett gives up that exact moment of why he's being replaced. It was just brutal. I don't know. Grayson, maybe I'm a crazy person here. But why is Miazga on a minute's limit? He's at prime fitness he's a good age. he just came off a preseason with Chelsea. I'm not seeing any reason why he should have been pulled out he, he didn't
2: look like he lost a step what what am I missing? I don't know i mean it is true though that play like he he's was in preseason he wasn't on their America tour I know he had a i think two um friendlies against like lower division England teams yeah in the preseason uh but you know people aren't like match fit first game of the season No, you know I mean, the, like people su- that,
1: the people that play the game are match fit i mean somebody goes no, 90 no, no, in the no. first minute of the first game of the season <laughs>
2: well right, right. <laughs> no think about like the the mls's excuse for sucking in in Concacaf all these years has been that the games come like right at the beginning of the season where they are in the middle of the season for you know other other countries so um the players are not... The MLS players are less match fit. Right, right. You you play yourself over the course of a couple games into full match fitness. I... I question if they would have taken him off if we were tied or losing. Mm. But I... I I don't know where I saw it, but I think there was some chatter that he was on a... that he was on a a pitch count. I think CST uh, said that. yeah, Yeah, so... So I, I wasn't really surprised to see it. A little disappointing, and I hope that they've seen enough from him between his sixty minutes, Blackett's thirty minutes, and whatever <laughs> Miazga's is doing in training this week to say that uh, Miazga can go a full ninety against the Red Bulls. Because I know for sure Miazga wants to go full ninety against right. the Red Bulls.
1: I just can't yes. fathom. I just can't fathom that whatever, if Miazga isn't really match fit. I'll still take a non-match fit Miazga yes, over yes. a completely full yes. power Tyler Blackett. I've seen what that looks like. I, I saw what that looks like. I just, I just, it's. I had a tough time believing that, that knowing what we know about Tyler Blackett, that Miazga going an extra ten minutes or fifteen minutes wasn't preferable to that or whatever it was. And like I said, I mean, is he match fit? Maybe not. But like shit in week 1 of the mls season people go 90 minutes and they're probably not ready to do that and you just somebody's got to play those 90 minutes and you've only got 5 subs and god i just it's it's hard for me to to, to square this idea that they put tyler blackett in and it, almost immediately it was like this is why we replaced this guy just yeah. right there right in front of you
2: and i i wonder if i wonder if murphy um was like not re- they, they didn't feel like he was actually fit to come in to the game, except in emergency circumstances. Then why do you play um, the next day? Like if he, really he wasn't... didn't play. He didn't play a full ninety, and playing a playing a two team match is different from playing a you know a senior team match. Um, but yeah, I mean, I hope that I hope that we've seen la- the last of, of, of Blackett, except for you know injury last five, or last yeah. five minutes of the game. Because at this point, when I see when I see him coming in. It's like seeing somebody put like raw asparagus guacamole and salsa in a crudite.
1: <laughs> you're saying that you want to run for governor of Pennsylvania, is
2: that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah.
1: That you that you truly em- you truly empathize with the suffering people of Pennsylvania that just can't find the proper dips that they need?
2: Right. Uh. You got to get your dips.
0: Right. I was so happy I got to be the first person to introduce that to a couple of people in my life. <laughs> getting, getting to see the fresh reactions was really nice. <laughs> but the, the
1: hard part about this too is that it's like that was such a frustrating end of the game that it, again mm-hmm. again we're talking about that and we're not talking about the fact that Brenner and Vasquez look incredible that Brenner, yep. I saw the stat this week that got posted that I'm not you know I don't have the math skills to fact check, but that apparently <laughs> Brenner is leading MLS. In XG per ninety of active players, that's yeah. unbelievable.
2: Well, I assume that there's a. I assume there's like a minimum number of minutes required for that. But I, I know he's been. I know he's been up there all season. And I think they should just. They should throw Taddy out and just right. say yes. Brenner and Vasquez are one or one two. and two.
0: <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, because that's the thing. Vasquez was number three in that same list, um, and Lucho, I think is still the MLS assist leader uh in the league so i i mean we talked about it before but like this is the retrospect on this team is, is certainly going to be one of the greatest attacking front threes mls has seen in one single season like this is insane you has the team wondered, ever, has a
1: team ever missed the playoffs and won the golden boot is that a thing
0: it feels like something that's, Chris Wondolowski I, I, has
2: done multiple times. <laughs> I, I almost—I like I would Taylor almost Twellman. guarantee. I would almost guarantee that that's happened. Um, but maybe I'll look that up later and tweet about it when we put. The Didn't Zlatan
0: out. do that? I'm pretty sure Zlatan. He won MVP, and I think they—they they either just missed the playoffs. Or yeah, just Zlatan
1: playoffs. won MVP. That was just MLS <laughs> needs Zlatan in a fucking headline is what that was. <laughs>
0: Oh, I, I'm actually disappointed we didn't get a classic MLSism of uh, like putting uh, Chiellini and Bale in the All Star game. Uh, that is absolutely something MLS used to do, which is in that summer transfer window, whatever the biggest star was, they just chucked into the All-Star game right. to get more eyeballs on the game. Which, um, to be
1: fair, they should absolutely do because they need the eyeballs more than yes. you can possibly imagine. Oh, they got the Apple TV. They don't give a shit anymore. Um,
0: which eyeballs don't count. We need no. subs, baby. <laughs> so it'll be fun
1: to see if the All-Star game continues with that. But no, but no it's like Brenner scores, Vasquez scores, Acosta looks great again. Bariel didn't have his best game. This was actually a I would say this was probably Obi's worst game. But again, yes. it's all overshadowed by the fact that they concede points at home from a winning position. And that's that's the story right now. If you're gonna if they ended the season right this second, what's the story of 2022? You give all sorts of credit to Albright for the progress this team has made. You say to Pat Noonan, that was a hell of a coaching job you did. But what's the big theme? It's that this team cannot put games away. They don't know how to win right now. They're not good at
0: it. They they don't know how to win a game. They, they can't close it out. They also don't seem to be able to start a game. Like, the first 15, 20 minutes of this game was maybe the worst 15, 20 minutes we've seen since Austin. Like, it was really bad. Um, and Chief, to your point, too... Obi looked particularly awful in midfield. A lot of uncharacteristic, like, giveaways, soft passes that didn't, you know, get all the way there. Just really, really poor performances. I I just wonder if, like, if... We could set the clocks in the locker room so that the team thinks it's halftime before they start a game, and then like come out firing, like ready to go. Like, I don't know what's going on. With I was
1: almost team. rooting. I was almost rooting for Obi to pick that extra yellow card up, which I will talk about. Mm. Def- I think in the final segment, spoiler alert. But it's like I don't know I if Obi just needs a couple of minutes off, or a yeah. half off, or a game off, just because like I don't. I'd have to look it up, but it seems like he's played just about every single game since he got transferred in, and he was coming off a full season over in Turkey. I think he met, he was held out of at least some of those games down the stretch. I think he didn't play – Was they were looking to ship him out. I don't know if he played all, but they were in a relegation fight. So I don't.
0: He, he I don't played to, basically every game until they were mathematically eliminated, and then they held him out. He had maybe – three to four weeks off between full seasons so yeah absolutely yeah uh,
2: so i i don't I, this is not an exhaustive list but in 2013 camillo Sanvezzo <laughs> uh won the golden boot for vancouver whitecaps who missed the playoffs all right so wow. it's happened so
1: it's happened before so at least we won't add at another least one it's of these at least fut- one
2: time before yeah
1: we won't add another one of those futile firsts to the fc cincinnati <laughs> ledger of Brandon (laughs) Vasquez wins the Golden Boot and the team misses the playoffs by two points.
2: Um, Low-key, though, Vasquez is one goal away from tying the single-season goal record for FC Cincinnati, and he's also Mm. one goal away from tying the career goals record for FC Cincinnati. Uh, Both of those shared by Emmanuel Ledesma with different people.
1: It's boring talking about this. Like It's really strange how boring it has gotten. Talking about how good Brandon Vasquez is. What what else is there to say? The guy the guy just scores goals. And Brenner too at this point. Like there's a novelty factor with Brenner just because I feel like I'm, you know, I'm being personally spited by the man every time he plays well, and also like wondering where the hell this was earlier in the year or last year. But like with mm-hmm. Vasquez in particular, just it there's you've I've run out of superlatives for the guy. I don't know what I, else to say about him.
2: If you I wonder if you go back and say like, okay, Brenner missed. Most of most of preseason because he was out of the country, and then he spent a great deal of the early season not playing. And I wonder if you just like account for that period of time. If if he really wasn't ever like quote unquote like bad this year, he was just doing his preseason while everybody else was playing games. There's <laughs> right? a hell of an argument for that. <laughs> um, yeah. Because he's not—I mean, he's got—he's got nine goals now. And by the way, that was not an own goal, because his header was yes. on frame. Yeah, his header—his go, header goes in if the if the defender doesn't—if the defender you know doesn't touch it, regardless I of what happened.
0: I believe that's the definition of an own goal: is that it requires the defender's intervention for it to be a goal.
2: Yeah. Uh, so if, if Aronson got a goal last week for Philadelphia, Brenner got a goal this week uh, for but, FC Cincinnati. And I just was annoyed that I saw some people, you know, speculating when the goal had been awarded to Brenner. They were yes. just falling all over themselves trying to take the goal away from him. I mean, what are we doing? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we should be. You know, putting
0: the pressure on—that should be our pressure campaign against the powers of be That like our right. guy d- got snubbed here.
1: Unless there's like some performance escalator in his contract where it's going to screw us out of something down the road if he hits some performance <laughs> incentives. In which case, no, no, own goals, own goals, keep the total down. Right. He's a, right. a DP though, so that's He's not. He's a DP, happen. so who yeah. cares? Who gives a shit? Um, yeah,
0: we're, we're out of escalators. It's not my Maybe money. we get an extra year added on. Right? That almost seems worthwhile at this point. I want one more, like, like make good year for, for what last year was on his contract.
2: Yeah. yeah. And also, um, this is like kind of an idle thought that it just, just popped in my head next year is his last year. He could be a young designated player. I think. Cause I think it's his, I think it's his year 23 season does. So I know the U22 does this. It YDP app- does not.
0: Oh, okay. Where you keep, you don't the get to keep it to the, the contract. No. Okay. That's
2: unique to, to U 22. So I'm, I just I, this, is, this is idle speculation and we don't need to indulge it really. But I wonder, I wonder if, I wonder if next year is like really like the year that you have to, you have to move him. Um, because hmm. you won't have any young designated players between him, Lucho, and Obi. And, you know, Lucho and Obi like don't yeah. really have transfer value. So, is this one of those lose.
1: situations where you can go back and like doctor the birth certificate like they used to do for baseball players back in the nineties?
2: <laughs> Daniel like, Monte, yeah,
1: you know, like Fa- where like Fausto Carmona on the on the Indians, all of a sudden they found out he had a different name and he was five years older than he said he was. We're <laughs> <laughs> like Albert Pujols, where like nobody really knows how old Albert is. Like he could be fucking sixty at this point.
0: There think, was uh, this. I mean, th- this is probably inching very close to racist speculation, but there was some some serious speculation that Freddie Adu was much older than he said he was, and so he was just basically playing up a few years through his entire youth career, or down a few years, and just dominating at the youth levels. So and that that might have explained why it didn't really take off once he he had to play with adults. You know, he was pretty, pretty good <laughs> as an adult.
1: If you had to pick like, one player as like you're all like, hey, this guy's going to be incredible. Watch out. Freddie Adu or Julian Green?
0: Oh. It's got to be Freddie Adu just because yeah. they, they plastered that dude on like magazines and the entire league of MLS hitched their, their fortunes to him. And when he didn't pan out, the league almost folded. <laughs> well,
2: like- you, say, you say he didn't pan out, but I remember he had like one gold cup where he was incredible.
0: And then he, he scored a
2: he scored a bunch of he scored a bunch of like golazos for DC when he was like 15 16 years old. There he, was a whatever uh, season. He, like he played minutes yeah. for like
1: They were so Benfica. desperate to make they were so desperate to make him a thing though. Oh my yes. god. Like I yeah, yeah, I wasn't even a yeah. soccer fan at the time and it was impossible to escape it. the Freddy Adu.
2: Yes. There he, was a, he played for youth, like real teams. Like I want to yes. be clear, like Freddy did not reach the heights that they thought he would but He played, he played like real minutes for real teams. Like he had a really good career for an American the time that he, um, the time that he was coming up.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, with that, I want to say thank you both for putting off, uh, VAR, you know, critique happy hour, which is like what all of our, our match summaries tend to be, which is just like us going through and critiquing and grading referee scores, but we we have to talk about this in this you, game. I mean we,
1: we we I want to put it off because it's like I feel like and there's always a reason to talk about the officiating yes. with these games. And I've I've got a take that I'm I put online where I genuinely buy the conspiracy now at this point. I buy yep. the conspiracy that We are collecting receipts for Pat Noonan going after that assistant referee in the NYCFC game and, to a lesser extent, Lucho calling his impromptu press conference to talk about how bad the officiating is. I buy the conspiracy now. I buy that the officials are letting us know it's happening when they say shit like well he was probably offsides that's why we didn't oh. check it and that's just a way of letting you know that like maybe if you'd play ball and respect the referees union more maybe you'd get the buzzer on this hint hint but like i hate that that has dominated the conversation so much and that like it just blows out all the other analysis of all of, like the really good shit that is actually happening on this team and to a lesser extent that conversation about the officiating that kind of saved tyler Blackett's ass a little bit because if there's not that controversy around that call he's directly on front street yeah whereas yeah, yeah. now it's kind of like you know okay we were all mad about the offside then people watched it again and it was like well, tyler black kind of fucked up a big bit right there on that play a lot
0: yeah yeah just so, completely misses
2: <laughs> it is like it is a bit like the refs just saying like that's a nice uh you know Playoff run, you guys got you guys got going on right there. Be a it shame seems, shame if anything happened to it. You know, uh,
1: you know, if you just you know you talk to us, we can make sure that nothing happens to that playoff run. But you know, you say the wrong thing, or you don't talk to my associates, then right. you know maybe maybe something unfortunate happens, and we wouldn't want anything unfortunate to happen to your oh, playoff run.
2: Oh, Pat, oh, you're you're disrespecting me. I, I'm just saying it feels. Feels like you're disrespecting me a little bit. Look,
1: Patty, Patty, I understand that you Irish types, you don't understand how things work, okay? So Capish, you give us what we need, your playoff run happens, you don't give us what you need. Oops, maybe something happens to your playoff run. It's a it's a wild world. Playoff you know, runs break all the time out there.
2: I try to see everything, but you know, Sometimes, sometimes I don't see s- sometimes stuff goes by. Sometimes, you know Sometimes I don't see so good.
0: Sometimes it's tough
2: to see what's the frame where he kicks the ball, what's the frame where he makes the run, you know, bada bing, bada boom, to-, to Atlanta. Sometimes that VAR
1: buzzer, sometimes it don't buzz so good. Sometimes you know I don't notice, sometimes the machine doesn't work. But you know, you know, for you Pat, if you play ball, you do what you're supposed to do,
0: I'll make sure the buzzer works every time, okay? I I hate how well this works. <laughs> Just works so goddamn well. Come on, it's, he's
2: probably yeah. off. He's probably inside. Who can tell? Right. Who can tell?
0: <laughs> look, look. I,
1: I, I, You know, it's not me, but I'll go. I'll go talk to the foreman. I'll go talk to the union foreman, and I'll
2: make sure that what you <laughs> hey, need gets hey, done. Hey, unions.
0: We yes? are not. Ta-
2: we are you not slandering. You- <laughs> we are not
0: slandering unions. Oh no! Oh no! We on this
1: Unions, famously with no connection to organized crime, Unions, ever in any spot in, the, in North America.
2: Unions, built this, <laughs> Unions yeah. built this country. Unions built this country. Unions brought us the forty-hour work week. Unions brought us the <laughs> child anti-child labor laws. Unions brought us health care, pensions. Right. You know, Unions, The death union. of the death of the union in this country is 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 why we're in the in the state that we are in at the victim of referees week in and week out. I believe unions also brought us John
1: Gotti too if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> yeah, should, should, you know, you know. Should probably
0: point out the the referees are in fact in a union here, so it's just <laughs> it feels relevant right now. <laughs> no, the it, it was incredibly frustrating to to see online. You've got the the Jonah host of a FC Sensei podcast and with a couple clicks of a button, just demonstrating that uh, Andrew Grootman's entire torso and above is offside, uh, which is just insane. That the the criticism was then like, oh, but his hand can't be offside. Like people don't understand the concept of like the camera angle and the field isn't going to be parallel. It's just a couple clicks of a button. And it gets back to a point that that I've loved to rant against over and over again, which is VAR in similar sort of video robotic umpiring and and reviewing. It's only worthwhile if it's going to be a hundred percent correct. And if you're going to tell me that a guy is going to take some software and and look at this video again multiple times to make sure the call was right and this is the result, I just – there's no faith in that system anymore. It's just absolutely garbage. It should be abolished until they can be 100% correct or damn near it. And you're
2: sending the signal to refs, right? Keep your flag down Yeah,
0: because we'll, right. we'll take a look yes. at it,
2: right? So you're, you're putting your thumb on the scale yes. of it being a goal And then you have a standard that puts the thumb on the scale a little bit harder for keeping it a goal. And then you have people like Charlie Davies out there being like, oh, well, he's only like a little offside. You can't take a goal away for that. (laughs) It's like, come on. Or this
1: bullshit where it's like, well, it's only there to correct a clear and obvious error. Well, you're telling the officials to keep the flag down. So if you tell them to keep the flag down, what you're really saying and what I think this is really saying is that. As a league, we want our policy to err on the side of goals. Which fine. If that's what your league policy is, fine. But then why even bother having VAR for offside anyway? Right. Why even bother doing it? If that's like if you're not going to like ha- open the, do the review process with an open and fair look at the play. This like, "Oh, we have to defer to what the call was on the field." Well, you're telling them to call it a certain way.
0: <laughs> yes. And yeah, I, I that little bit offside or the the clear and obvious, it's only there to correct something clear and obvious is just insane. Offside is black and white. You are on or off. And we've seen it multiple times in the Premier League because they do that cool modeling graphic where they'll show like the dude's pinky toe was offside for that one quarter second that they caught the frame. It's still offside. Like, if you don't want that to be offside, like, you're going to have to legislate some sort of, like, gray zone that's, like, six inches wide. But guess what? Those margins are still going to be
2: the rule. So right. you don't escape the line anywhere. So, so and, and this is the last thing I have to say on the whole referee thing. <laughs> but let's talk about that, that uh, Matt Miazga handball that – Yes. And I will say the same people who – after the, after the Nashville game, said, well, those aren't handballs because their arms um, – it's a, it's like a ricochet and their arms just in like a natural position and it's not intentional. The yep. same people are saying we got away with one from Matt Miazga. No. He knew way less about that handball than either of those Nashville guys and it ricocheted off his hand. His arm is behind him is where it is when you slide. There's literally nothing he could have done to avoid it. So it's, it's almost like – there's there's too much deference in yes. FC Cincinnati fans where you just want to come across as fair and unbiased and you do it so much that you are essentially, you know, taking sides against your team over and over again, even when your team is legitimately getting screwed week and in, week like, out. And here's the other thing too, is that this is like a bigger
1: meta point that I have. And that's that, If you want to be above the fray person, congratulations, go for it, whatever it is that makes you happy. But don't slide into other people's mentions online or correct people that are going to be fans and say, you know what, we got fucked. Like, you don't earn extra points in life for defending refs or for being the person that's like, well, actually, I looked at that and I think the ref got that one right. Just let people be mad. Let people be angry. Let people look at that and say that's bullshit. But you don't have to have this sort of like, well, the authority figure in the match said that that was the case. And I defer to the authority figure because his job is hard. No, fuck you. Like, I'm going to be mad about this. I'm going to let people have their moment as a fan. God, don't be the fan police when it comes to (laughs) getting mad at refs. You know who does that type of thing?
0: Democrats. And people hate hate Democrats. I was going to say it sounds alarmingly like Democratic uh, discourse around Supreme Court decisions, maybe before this last session. But and, yes,
1: and I'm going I'm to say this too because I said it in the in the article, and I understand nobody reads the post. Like fewer people read the post and listen to the postcast, though, and it's alarmingly low numbers on both of them. Um, but this idea that when you're the victim of a shitty call that like the, well, you can't blame the refs for that. You should just play better. Like, I understand that take comes from people who watch other sports. Soccer is fucking different. And like the value of a goal in soccer is so much more than the value of a bad call in basketball or a, (laughs) a holding call in football. Like goals change games. Like this call this non-offside call ended up giving Atlanta a point and in doubling their score. Literally, they yes. went from one to two—a one hundred percent increase. That's the equivalent in a basketball game. If at the end of the game they award the other team a hundred points on a hack, <laughs> or give them a hundred free throws, right? It's the equivalent of the, an NFL official calling PI, and that PI flag being worth twenty-four points, like that. There is no way to conceptualize how big of an impact one call in soccer can have versus literally any other sport where there are tons of calls that are made that like don't really amount to anything. But a call in soccer, a PK or a non-offside call that awards a goal to the other team are fucking massive calls. And you can't just outplay those calls. There's no way.
0: Yes. 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 Um my final thought on this is uh, Lucho absolutely grabbed the referee's arm this game, and uh, he's not suspended. So, um, I, I, you know what? I, I'll give it to the refs this week. I, <laughs> I may also
1: be a little hotter on this just because i had to follow up <laughs> watching that fc cincinnati game by waking up the next day to watch chelsea play where like apparently i learned that if a guy has like a fucking a fro or long hair you can just grab a full handful and drag
2: him down in the box and that's
1: that's not a call at all when it's right man in front if, of you, if you don't want
2: your hair grabbed don't don't just stick it out there like that right it's the uh, the old Did NFL? Did you see rule. what kind of hair you were wearing? <laughs> you were just asking for it. I thought it was. I thought it was a clean game, fair result for both teams. Oh, fuck off! <laughs> just fuck directly off.
0: Oh, well, that's going to have to do it for SEC uh, versus Atlanta part two. I mean, talk about policing the fans. We've got a good one coming up. Oh, part two, we're back at it. A little bit of an MLS grab bag here, a couple of different topics, and I know this is one that a uh, Chief flagged for us, so we, we've got to start here. Uh, if you did not see this video, there is a, a fantastic, uh, I'll say semi-viral video around MLS circles of a capo from Austin FC uh, getting furious at a fan presumably a fan, uh, for filming the game on their cell phone. And her reaction uh, to to this fan filming was to grab multiple cups of water. I think it was six or seven in total. Uh, and throw full cups of water at this fan, uh, multiple times dowsing this phone in water uh, to get them to be a fan. Chief, when can we expect to see this in the Bailey? Come on, I love this. <laughs> I... I don't
1: even know how like if that happened at an (laughs) FC Cincinnati match, I just I might I might just have to leave. That might be it for me. I might just you know, I might might become a cyclone season ticket holder at that point. (laughs) Just 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 talk about living every stupid fucking stereotype of why people hate soccer fans. And why people not only hate soccer fans, but they hate soccer SG types. And I say this as someone very overly involved in the SG life, as I know, Kevin, you were until you retired. But just like, this is why people hate people like that, where they're telling you how to be a fan. Don't get me wrong. I will absolutely on this podcast tell you how to be a fan. I will tell you that you're being a bad fan if you defend officials. Officials are garbage people. They're the hall monitors and mall cops of the sporting world. They're the people that can't actually play and get mad at people who can play and try to take their accomplishments off the board via whistles. I'll tell you how that makes you a bad fan when you root for them. But this, like, oh, you have to cheer this way, or you have to do this thing, or I'm going to throw water on you. Just ugh, do less. Just do so much less.
0: <laughs> Grace, could you do imagine you, wish that... you could throw water at people in daily life if they're
2: stepping out of line as you see it? <laughs> um, I I do sometimes wish I could do that thing like the dog whisperer does, where he like just like just like sticks his like just like snaps his finger like right in the dog's (laughs) face when the dog is like being annoying i get people coming into my office with like their their stupid fucking questions like (laughs) how do i do this water stop stop (laughs) no but but seriously like um could you imagine like the podcast round table after (laughs) one of the bailey kappas throws water in a bunch of people's faces (laughs) <laughs> It'd be incredible. I will say, uh, this is not
0: totally uncommon in MLS. I, I can only speak of one example I know of. Um, Orlando City has their capos carry like water pistols, like little squirt guns, and shoot people that they see not singing. Why? Why? It's, it's, it's the Why? thing they do.
1: <laughs> no, is this like there was that thing that like who's that dipshit that's the that does the Dilbert comic? Um, uh,
0: Scott, Scott Adam. Adam. He, he got yeah.
1: he got over himself on on Twitter where he had this like <laughs> thing where he was talking about like at its root the response to everything in life is violence and yes. like everything else is like a social construct in order to stop violence from happening. But if there's no other alternative, what's going to happen to solve a dispute is people going to fight with one another. Is is that what soccer support is? That like at its root the base thing is we're going to throw water at you. That if you're not <laughs> yes. doing what we want, we're going to throw water at you and everything else. Talking, um, you know, so- going up to someone and encouraging them to be be better. These are all social things we've constructed to avoid having to throw a cup of water on you or shoot you with a squirt gun. How fucking ridiculous yeah. is that?
2: So Scott Adams is right in the sense that like it kind of reveals of like that like the idea that like property rights are somehow like natural or real or anything except for like the Ooh, construction yes. of the state is just like total baloney but we'll we'll put that discussion behind the patreon <laughs> <laughs> subscribe for
0: for hobbs quarterly podcast right. for, uh, for yes. the 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 soccer blog
1: reading is the leviathan and then afterwards we discuss <laughs> the contributions of unions to modern society
2: but i guess but i guess i'd rather be like in the austin section or the uh, orlando supporter section where you only get wet if you're not singing than like Lower.com field where no matter where yep. you are in the stadium, you get wet just because it's raining.
1: Or the roof is leaking.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> or like in Minnesota where they just didn't bother to cover the supporters section with one part of the roof. Like they have a roof over everything else <laughs> other than the supporters for some reason.
0: It's probably for the best. Yeah.
1: I think DC uh, United's that way too. Just no roof. Cheap.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a strange one. Um, I don't
1: know. What, like, what would your reaction be if, like, you're uh, trying to, like, you know, you're at a soccer game, you're a fan, maybe you're just sending a Snapchat real quick because, you know, that's what do people do Snapchat still? I'm old. Yeah, um,
0: it's it's still fairly popular. I All right, think so, like, the, just-
2: I think the only thing you can do is just record the person doing it and put them online and yell, "Sir, am I being detained?" Yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> because- you got. I don't know. Like, what do you, like. I'm not gonna. F- I. I think. I think fighting the person is a worse uh is, is a worse option than but what if just, you take what if you yeah.
1: take they they do water to you if you were to do a beer back at them what's the escalation Ooh. from that point forward
0: man Maybe they have to throw a
2: cocktail at you it, Yes. Yeah. it gets more expensive they gotta throw uh what's the what's what's the rosé drink that we made up oh uh was it slurp juice. Was that slurp it? Juice. juice. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They gotta. They gotta
0: throw a slurp juice at you. <laughs> so good. Uh, I don't. I don't know how to transition to the second one. So this I'll is. Say, this I wonder is all, if they this serve. Is, this is all no, a
1: reason please. why you should always carry a sock full of quarters whenever you're at a stadium, just in case.
0: <laughs> just you know, throwing. I mean. swinging the sock is one thing. It's very common in England to hurl the individual coins at (laughs) players and officials. So so you've got, it's multifaceted there. Um, No, but we got to talk about this one. Vasquez to Leeds. This was apparently a real story that real actual journalists were tracking down. Um, I mean, as an FC Cincinnati fan, I think it's exciting to have a player linked to the Premier League. But I know my first thought was, Jesse Marsh better fucking win if he's just gonna mine mls for talent because otherwise he's dragging all of america's soccer down with him if if this is how this is gonna go for him
1: yeah no it's 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 hard to like if this goes badly it's going to be because everyone was an american it won't be because yes. there was talent issues or the players didn't link up together or whatever it was it will just be that that dumb american brought his dumb american friends and they caused leads to get relegated and i'm I don't want to put that on our country. I don't even want to take the risk of putting that on our country. It's already going to be bad enough if Marsh fucks up as a manager. But if he fucks up as a manager with American players, it's like a double whammy for the Stars and Stripes. I'm not here for it.
2: So I couldn't – what was crazy and it shows you like how the reaction would be is people were all over Jesse Marsh and saying you know, they hired this unqualified American or whatever when it looked like they might get relegated late last year. Even yep. though he had even though he had a better record than Bielsa, and this was Bielsa's team, yes. you know, since since he replaced it, like he was doing a better job than the guy he replaced, who had the benefit of a preseason and picking some of the players and everything. Um, and I think Bielsa had been there a couple of years, right? So he had yeah, he yeah, promoted so, them, so yeah, yeah. So um, I do think that it's going to be it's going to be you know. This, they went to American, it's American ownership or whatever. When, if Leeds get rele- gets relegated, they're going to get relegated for the same reason every other team gets relegated economics.
0: Yes. Right. And,
2: and so I think what, what Jesse is probably looking at is he probably feels like he knows the American player and yep. feels like the American player is a little undervalued in the global market and sees it as a little bit of kind of a money ball opportunity. Yes. And what we know is that, what we know with money ball is like, it doesn't win you championships, right? But it's you, you figure out a market inefficiency, you exploit the inefficiency, and you punch a little above your weight class. So like it would be silly to if you're looking for that, to not be tracking the American we'll call it the American uh golden boot uh leader in in MLS, you know, who yeah. still is, is young on the young side. Yeah, so yes. like and, setting
1: aside the Vasquez aspect of this, just before we start talking about that, like I almost wonder, there's so few American managers that have ever left America to manage. I mean, hell, there's few American managers in America, as it turns (laughs) out. Um, I don't wonder a little bit, and you'd never get Jesse to admit this ever, but that if he doesn't chalk up some of his failure at Red Bull Leipzig to the fact that I needed a few Americans in the room who didn't look at me side-eyed when I told them in an American accent what to do. That I need like yeah. three or four guys in this room who, when I say jump, they go do it because it's not weird to hear that word coming with my accent and my background, and that if you have a team where there are no Americans on it, that he is always going to be pushing the boulder uphill for respect in the locker room, for people sticking with his tactics, that sort of well, thing. I, I just look at how I, I don't know I just there's no there's no there's not a lot of manual for how to succeed as an American over in Europe. And we have damn sure learned from, was it Bob Bradley over in Swansea yeah. and yep. uh, Jesse in, in, at Red Bull, where I mean, he didn't do great, did terrible, he didn't do great either, that I mean, shit, maybe the only way you can succeed as an American is to bring more Americans over and do that.
2: Well, look at how Chris Armis was treated when he was yes. an assistant at Man U. And he recently gave an interview to the Crack Podcast, which I think is a good listen for everybody. I don't, I don't want to go in all the details of that, but... Um, they were writing articles in the tabloids about, you know, how the players were, how he didn't know what he was doing. Nobody respected him. And it, This is an assistant. Uh, yes. So many, so many of these assistants in Europe didn't play anywhere. You know, right. Armis was a good player and had certainly he was, more he was of a, a national teamer. Yeah. Yeah, he was a national teamer. Would have gone to two World Cups if he didn't get hurt. And it, it's just insane to me for the British press to have spent so much time on an assistant just because he's American. And I think it's pretty clear that man, you having a interim American assistant, coach for four months is not what their problem is.
1: The the problem is being owned by the glazers and being heavily debt leveraged. Yeah. And continuing Uh, to sign horseshit player after horseshit player. (laughs) What's up, Christian Pulisic. Good luck.
0: <laughs> Doyle tweeting out uh, after uh, Manchester United lost four nothing to Brentford that they were really missing Chris Armis uh, in the back room, which I just appreciated the uh, the master trolling there. Um, and no, I completely agree with the moneyball aspect. I mean, I've absolutely done it in like football manager where I, there are undervalued American assets in MLS that you can get for for very cheap uh, to make good European runs. But to the moneyball point, Like a solid regular season in Major League Baseball is pointless. A solid regular season in the Premier League is the difference between the team making hundreds of millions of dollars or potentially going into bankruptcy depending on their finances. I know,
1: and being solid in the regular season, like if Marsh could string together two or three okay regular seasons with leads where he has them up to like that 12-13 spot – like, yep. that spot in, in in the EPL, it's stable. Like, yeah. occasionally you'll have a team like Everton where everything goes wrong and they tumble down <laughs> and they're in a fight for their lives. But, like, usually once you get out of that relegation yo-yo zone of, like, the, you know, 17, 16, 15, stability yep. is worth a shitload of money in that league. The yep. sponsorship and money goes up exponentially when they know you're going to be around yes. and you can sign the yes. long-term deals.
0: Yeah, and, and that mid-table position if you are able to keep that stability for some amount of time, gives you the financial wherewithal to just walk the championship. That's why you see the same handful of clubs constantly coming back up. I mean, there's a reason why Bournemouth came back up after like six or seven years in the Premier League. It's a tiny club, but they made so much money in the Premier League that they're, they're now capable of withstanding a year being relegated and popping back up.
1: Do, do you buy Vasquez to Leeds?
0: Oh, we should probably actually talk about that.
1: Uh, I sell. I sell of. I kind of buy. I kind of buy that he's a big-bodied player. If you're going to be bringing over an American striker, like that's the kind of American striker that has historically – it hasn't had a lot of success, but like that's the kind of striker that gets sold overseas.
0: Do you do a loan for Vasquez for no. the option year and then – and then some sort of massive buyout at the end.
2: Pick up the option, sign an extension, and if Leeds is real, they'll be there in the summer, and they can but just per- they can just buy him in the summer, <laughs> right?
1: Will Jesse Marsh be there? Is a better question.
2: <laughs> somebody somebody else will. I don't I don't like I don't want to loan him, Because yeah. um, I if he do, if he doesn't impress, he's going to tank his value, and then you've missed out on his services for however long. Yeah, the, so, the, the reason why
1: I wouldn't loan is that it, it definitely feels right now like. Vasquez is still improving, but he's still in ascendancy. And yeah. if you're going to do anything, you sell while they're in ascendancy, you loan to build value. And I think he builds as much value here as he would over there.
0: So let's imagine a scenario where Vasquez is aware of this interest. He desperately wants to go. He will not sign a long-term contract. He is telling SD Cincinnati, um, you can pick up the option. That's fine. But I have no interest in signing a deal with you. If you can't get this done, what dollar amount would you be comfortable selling vasquez at grayson
2: well so if, if he has said he is not re-signing under any circumstances you had to pick up his option it's the summer of of uh, 2023 and yeah. he's either leaving now or walking on a walking on a free yeah i mean at that at that point in time I you guess know, you take anything. T- you take like five. You take like five million dollars.
1: I mean, but you got to do the math right because I, I don't know the conversions in my head right now. Where like how much gam you get for selling externally versus selling internally? Because um, I mean, I, I
2: like if you, it depends on it the like, kind of player, too. Yeah, I think my
0: understanding is I think any ca- gam infusion is capped at a million dollars. So I think if you sold him for three or four million dollars, I think you'd get a million gam back.
1: Yeah. So I mean, like as long as you're getting whatever the max total is from overseas, then you just you get what you can get for him. And and to me, like that, those conversations with Vasquez need to be happening right now um, because what his value is now is is not great because the option doesn't translate over. But the second they pick the option up. I don't know what the date is for when the league year rolls over to when like his option vests. Can they sell him in the winter window if they pick the option up? Or they have, the they'll, option They'll
2: have to they'll have to pick it up. Um I think the I think the option the option decision dates are like approximately like a week or two after your season ends. So okay. if you don't make the playoffs, they're earlier and if you make the, and the and the teams in the MLS Cup have like to the following week. I don't. I haven't seen them published, but I'm going off of when uh, yeah. last year's last year's dates were. So th- they'll have a decision on the option before the World Cup, even if they make the uh, MLS Cup finals.
1: Right. So what I'm saying though is, as long as the option, they can pick the option up, and then they can sell him on the option immediately. If he's not willing to sign a long term contract in Cincinnati, you move him at the winter window, because that'll be when if Leeds is interested. Leads will have an idea of like either they'll be desperate because they're in a relegation battle and they want to bring him in for an infusion. Like that's the moment that you sell him right there and don't even fuck with it. And then the other benefit is, is then that if you sell him, then it gives you that contract space and the knowledge of your roster of okay, now I know what I need to go find, and you're not selling him in the summer and also looking at having to bring a replacement in at the same time.
0: Speaking of the same teams, having all the financial resources and, and dominating their leagues. Uh, Grayson, I I think we've got another, another soccer blog book club, uh, lined up for us. What do you, what do you got for us? This wasn't, this wasn't a, uh, a a blog per se. Where'd you find this one? Yeah. The,
2: (laughs) the soccer blog this week is, uh, A soccer blog called the New York Times. (laughs) (laughs) The failing New York Times. The failing New York Times. Um, And the title of the... Just
0: to jump in here. How long does the New York Times keep a sports section when they own the athletic?
2: That seems weird, but continue. So the article is titled Bayern Munich and the Myth of Competition. It is by Rory Smith. And it begins, just like that, it was over. For two months or so, there had been just the slightest flicker of hope for the clubs of the Bundesliga. No, there they wasn't. Had not, they had not felt it in some time. They did not want to admit to feeling it now, not publicly. It was fragile, guilty, most likely forlorn, but it was hope nonetheless.
1: No, that's the, there was. there's no hope. The Bundesliga has been won for 10 straight years by Bayern Munich. There is no hope, ever, under any well, circumstances.
2: Well, the thing about this article, right, is... You get like, I guess you get a little bit more freedom when it's commentary. But if this was like journalism, like he's just making st- stuff up that's in people's heads. Yeah, he's not like <laughs> right. he's not like sourcing this to like. Yeah, the you did the, um, the you didn't call Borussia narrator.
1: Dortmund to like call like. So did you guys have any hope going into this year? It's like, no nah, man, nah man. Nine. We felt
0: guilty about the the amount of hope
2: we had. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Robert Lewandowski was gone. Serge Nabry for a time seemed as if he might follow. Thomas Müller and Manuel Neuer were another year older. For the first time in a decade, Bayern Munich seemed not weak. Bayern Munich is never weak, but just a little diminished, just a little more human. At Borussia Dortmund, at Bayer Leverkusen, at RB Leipzig, the thought would have formed unbidden and silent. What if Dortmund's reinforcements worked out? What if Florian Wirtz flourished? What if Christopher and Kunku was only just getting started? What if this were one of those years—the in-between ones, the liminal ones—when Byron fades and another rises?
1: This is like the prologue to like the, every fantasy book ever written.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I like I like that he used like he did he he wanted to use liminal, but he didn't have enough confidence that like the reader would like know what it meant. Right. So he just like, he's like, hid like the the meaning kind of <laughs> yes. in the same sentence. Yeah, right. Yes. It was
1: like he, like, I write for the New York Times, but what if I have a USA Today reader doing this or, <laughs>
2: yeah. or, or, or a, somebody's a soccer, reading po- a soccer the- podcast <laughs> yes.
1: in Cincinnati, Ohio with a bunch of dorks?
2: <laughs> and then Thank cold, and then cold reality intruded. Bayern's first game of the season was at Eintracht Frankfurt. Eintracht Frankfurt. Intimid- an intimidating stadium packed to the rafters, cheering at a team that had won the Europa League only a few months earlier. It was no gentle start. Not for the first five minutes, anyway. Then Joshua Kimmich scored. Five minutes later, so did Benjamin Pavard. Then, on his debut, Sadio Mane and Jamal Musiala and Nabri himself. And now the Bundesliga season was precisely 43 minutes old, and all of the hope had been extinguished, and all of the what ifs <laughs> had been answered. This Just is like, like me that. watching
1: this is like me watching a Buccaneers game that as soon as like <laughs> the other team scores in the first five minutes, Bucket, season's over. We're not winning anything this year.
2: We had fun. Yeah. Just They're like that. We're never coming back from this. For another year, it was over. By the way, like he was talking about them being weakened, right? Because like Lewandowski left. But like he had made me forget that they signed Sadio Mane. Yeah, I was just yes. about to say that I
1: completely <laughs> forgotten until until this moment that Sadio Mane was playing for Bayern Munich. Yeah, Bayern sucks guy, this year. The they
2: just signed Sadio Mane. Yes.
1: Look, everything hope, about that guy bothers me. His haircut bothers me. Hope is, of course. I hope
2: not everything about
1: him. No, literally everything. I hate him as a human being, too. <laughs> Just like the sight of him in that Liverpool jersey and like just like he just just runs real fast. It's like go hit him
2: or something. God damn it. (laughs) Hope is, of course, a little hardier than that. Nobody, not even Bayern Munich, wins a championship in August. Its defeat of Eintracht was only one game. Perhaps in the months to come, Julian Nagelsmann's tactics will go go awry. Perhaps Bayern's squad will break out in full scale mutiny. Perhaps it would be inf- afflicted by an injury epidemic. Perhaps, as outlined in this space last week, the World Cup will cleave the season into two halves, both of them beset by randomness.
1: I mean, people do forget that all these Euro seasons are going to be yes. paused, and you know, anyone that gets hurt at the World Cup, and it's going to be all the players that play at places like Bayern Munich, there's, it could get a little wacky this year in the Euro Leagues in the second half.
0: I'm just so glad that Europe has to deal with the bullshit that MLS has to deal with all the time. So just enjoy this season. Europe. So are you
1: saying that Qatar was right
0: in this one tiny instance <laughs> where the the you know the anointed ones in Europe were slightly inconvenienced? Yes, that was actually kind of nice. Yeah. So all like- I'm
1: hearing is that that Kevin is advocating for more Qatari World Cups. That's that's interesting. I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far with the take, but that that's I,
0: and I like they built all says, those
2: stadiums they better get some use out of it <laughs> I, I like that he says you know imagine imagine all these things you might as well throw in like you know imagine like a wizard in 1910 right. casts a spell and entraps the entire bayern, bayern munich squad for a hundred years
0: <laughs> yeah, i thought course, i was really imagination i
1: was really hoping he'd go full john lennon there too you know imagine <laughs> all the people
0: Imagine all the clubs drawing of your game. Oh, Imagine great.
1: there's no Bayern.
2: <laughs> it isn't hard to do. <laughs> yeah, you can just watch MLS. <laughs> Still, the impression left by that opening day route was indelible. The departure of Lewandowski and the lingering sense of generational shift that it has engendered at Bayern has done nothing to change the power dynamic in the Bundesliga. The destiny of its championship feels preordained, if not from the moment the season started, then certainly from the 43rd minute. That, of course, has come to be seen as German soccer's fatal flaw. Bayern has the most fans, the most commercial clout, and the most Champions League prize money, and so it has a supremacy that now circles the absolute. It has won every title for the last 10 years. Sometimes the gap to the nearest contender stands at 25 points. There is no drama.
1: This is awesome. It's just the best. I I can't... Like this is this is always why when people say I'm a big fan of the Bundesliga I'm like why? Like right. d- d- just I, like, I have to imagine they're the same type of people that when they go home at night it's what do you want to do? I'm just going to watch watch reruns of the office again. Maybe you've seen that already. Yeah, but I like The Office.
2: There is no drama, there is no doubt. It does not feel quite right at the top of the table to describe the Bundesliga as a competition. Yeah, <laughs> Germany. It's a burn. <laughs> yeah. Germany is, at least, not alone. In France, Paris Saint-Germain started its its season by scoring 3 in 38 minutes against Claremont. And I can't believe they allowed a team from Butler County... Or Claremont <laughs> County. <laughs> in, yes.
1: I also can't believe it. I also can't believe a writer would go. At least German's not alone. Here's France. That always makes people squirrely. I think in Europe, even to this right, day.
2: Right. By scoring three in 38 minutes against Clermont, and ended up running out 5-0 winners. PSG has won eight of the last ten available titles in France. Its budget, swollen by Qatari Bene- beneficence, bears no relation to any of its rivals. The air in League One, too is thick with inevitability. In theory, of course, this not only reflects badly on both of these leagues, but also limits both their appeal and their ambition. Sports, we are led to believe, require two things to retain old fans and attract new ones, to fill stadiums to command the attention of drifting and distracted television audiences. (laughs) Number
1: Number one is a commercial series featuring the Bud Knight, correct?
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I think yeah, I think we get there. Yeah. Dilly-dilly. <laughs> oh man. They are related and often confused but distinct. One is what is generally called competitive balance. The idea that a number of entrants to a tournament might in the end win it. The other is known academically as the uncertainty of outcome hypothesis. The belief that an individual game within any given competition is only attractive if fans feel, or at least can trick themselves into feeling, as if both sides stand a chance.
1: This is a really, really long way of getting to the concept of any given Sunday. And I feel like (laughs) at this point, we should just acknowledge that Roger Goodell is right about everything, if that's what we're going for on this.
0: Damn. I also should point out very quickly, uh, Monaco plays in the French League which is owned and subsidized by the royal family and largely owners of the country of Monaco. So the <laughs> fact that Monaco is not competing is only their royal family to blame. <laughs>
2: yep. The best measure of how important these concepts are held to be by leagues themselves comes in the form of the premier leagues, deeply hubristic though undeniably successful marketing strategy in England. The top flight sense of self is inextricably bound to the idea that not only can any team beat any other team at any given moment. This is where that like trickery of the the second thing comes in. But also that it alone boasts a multiplicity of challengers for the ultimate crown. Germany and France, after all, have only one. Spain has a paltry three. Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, and whichever bits of Barcelona have not been sold off to sign Marcos Alonso.
1: Again, just uh, just coming at you with burns from every angle. This, guy, this, this guy's got lots yeah, of burns. Yeah, I, I a, like yeah. it. I like yeah, it. You yeah, no, can write for the post. Right. So he's like a stand-up <laughs> comic where he's like, I got all this unused material. Let's get it all out there.
2: <laughs> T- take my Lewandowski, please. <laughs> Italy's contenders might stretch to four these days, but that is only the case because Juvenus very kindly decided to spend three years self-imploding. England, though, has no fewer than six. And I got to say, who are the six you got like man city united city manchester Liverpool, city chelsea the citizens of Arsenal, manchester and what fucking blackburn rovers because they have a premier league championship i think everyone <laughs> just
1: assumes that newcastle is just going to have like the saudi oil money just pumping directly into it and that they'll somehow find their way to competitiveness but also like it, like again this is why all, I, I love european soccer don't get me wrong i love the premier league but When they're, like, bragging, we have six teams that can win this league. I mean, that's that's kind of horse shit. What about the other 14? Like, nobody gives a fuck about any of them.
0: I I think I've made this point on the pod before, but I'll make it again because it's one of my favorites. I despise when all of the soccer discourse is on, like, how shit Manchester United is. And Manchester United will finish fifth. So there's at least 15 (laughs) teams worse than them. And then... All of the rest of the English teams of all soccer ever are worse than them. Like, you can't tell me a team is quote-unquote shit when they're better than all but four of the teams, two of which are run by, you know, you know, uh, sovereign funds, sports funds, or whatever. So, like, come on.
2: <laughs> a full half-dozen teams that go into the season with a shot of winning the championship that is at least more than theoretical. The reality, of course, is substantially more complex. Not just because some of the six are more equal than others, but also because having a comparatively broad swatch of contenders means a less predictable season, but more predictable games. But the truth in this case matters less than the belief. The Premier League's success is down, it is broadly accepted, to the fact that it is less processional than all of its rival competitions. It follows. Kinda? Yeah, but like. Not, like, like, no. like Because, like, like there's, not, there's not six contenders, right? There's six. No. There's, like, but of those, let's say, generously six teams, there's two or three contenders in any given year.
1: Right. And it's right. also the, the Premier League is also kind of bullshit because it's, like, people follow it a little more closely. So, like, the, the perception yes. of the Premier League being this way more competitive league is also in large part to the fact that they have four Champions League spots and they're really good at manufacturing and transferring, like, transferred intent of the drama from the title race to the race for the Champions top League. 4
0: yep yeah yeah and you do get that like the hyper focus on the odd upset whereas like i don't know how often it makes you know the the soccer news in our circles in the US of like when ac milan draws a team at the bottom of the table like if Manchester City draws Burnley, it's a big deal, and people talk about it. If AC Milan does it, it's not that big of a deal, but like on the surface of it, it's the same thing. So
2: It follows, then, that the prospect of yet another season in which Bayern Munich and PSG ambled to their domestic crowns as a black mark against the leagues that, that home them. It is. This, to most fans, feels right. It feels just. It is obviously a drawback to know, almost from the start, which team is going to emerge triumphant? Like going to a movie in full knowledge that one lover lets the other drown, despite there being plenty of space on the raft. Or actually, the guy is a ghost. Just, there is not much point staying until the just end. Just
1: let it go. The boat sank. Yeah.
2: Also, those people were made up. Right. Yes. If the boat was real, those people were fake.
1: Right. I had a friend once that refused to see any movie that was based on a true event because he knew if it was based on a true event, there was no chance a ninja or a wizard could show up at any point during the movie.
2: (laughs) There should be competitive balance. There should be uncertainty of outcome. That, after all, is why we watch. Except that, as it happens, it isn't. A paper published in 2020 by researchers at the University of Liverpool, immediately suspect. (laughs) Right. <laughs> and drawing on a welter of academic investigation into the motivations of sports fans, found that there was no correlation between how uncertain the outcome of any game was and how many people watched it. The link, they wrote, was decisively non-significant. That is not, it turns out, why most people watch sports, whether we want to admit it to ourselves or not. According to the researchers, there was a connection between viewership and the quality of player on show— even more significant though was the name of the teams involved. The power of right. brand they wrote tended to dominate any contribution to audience size.
1: So this is that old this is that old chestnut too where it's like the Yankees are good for baseball. That, yes. Yes. that you yep. that you either want you either are rooting for the Yankees or you tune in to root against the Yankees. But either way it's better when the Yankees are involved in things, which I mean that's an uncomfortable truth, but I, I guess that's right. I don't know. Like, everyone hated yeah. the Patriots when Tom Brady played there, but they still fucking watched.
0: Right. Those, you almost wonder, though, if the NFL wouldn't have – if they could have picked, would have rather the Cowboys have had Belichick and Brady and that that had, been, that had been the run. It had been the Cowboys and not the Patriots if they had their choice
2: of teams that could go on an well, epic run like that. I th- I think what you'd say, right, is that the Yankees are good for baseball and Tom Brady was good for football. And like the Lakers and Celtics and Warriors were maybe good for basketball, but none of those teams was as dominant as like Bayern is in the Bundesliga, where not only are they yep. winning 10 championships in a row, they're winning them by 25 points, right? So, like, yeah, you can, you want to have like these hateable teams, these, you know, quote unquote marquee matchups, but you still want there to be some uncertainty and drama surrounding what is actually going to happen but the other thing too
1: but the other thing too is that like what's kind of bullshit about this is that I probably couldn't name 10 teams in Ligue 1 you know like they only put PSG on TV they only put Bayern Bayern Munich on TV I mean yeah I mean they don't they'll put Dortmund on they'll put Leipzig on they'll put Frankfurter is Frankfurter a team or is that like a hot dog
0: Frankfurt. Frankfurt. Frankfurt, yeah. whatever.
1: Fuck them. Um, they don't win they anything. They might
0: be in the second division,
2: though. They bounce up and down. Or
1: sometime. TSG no, Frank- Hoffenheim. Frank- we what? know TSG. We know them. Yes. Um,
2: but it's Frankfurt like- is who Bayern played the first game. They won the uh, Europa League last year.
1: I wasn't paying attention to the article. Um, I was yeah.
0: thinking of Hamburg. Yes, continue. <laughs>
1: hamburger. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hamburger.
0: <laughs> but, like, yeah, these
1: teams, they have brand It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, why do we watch... Bayern Munich, well, they've got a great brand name. Why do they have a great brand name? Because they win all the goddamn time, and they get all the money from being the brand name, and it's just, yeah, it's it's, it's never going to change if you don't do something about it.
2: Also, of course, of course, they're eating these teams alive. They're all n- named after delicious meats.
1: <laughs> Roast Beef FC has no chance this weekend.
0: Yeah. Lindberger. Salami Jeez. and pastrami are just fodder to Juventus. <laughs>
2: the lawful soccer club. Yeah, Bangers <laughs> and Mash versus
1: Bangers and Mash versus Manchester City.
2: Those two conclusions suggest that rather than diminishing the appeal of the Bundesliga, Bayern's victory did the precise opposite. Here after all was a team with a famous name and an established brand, packed full of highly talented players. This it would seem is what fans want. That is the thinking. That Don't has tell me how to be a
1: fan, New York Times. This is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, damn
2: it. That is the thinking that has convinced PSG to try to blind the rest of League, League One and much of Europe with its sheer star power. It is the argument regularly trotted out by the Bundesliga to defend Bayern's unimpeachable hegemony. Soccer's dirty little secret is that it cherishes not balance, but dominance. It claims to want diversity, but nothing draws like dynasty. And yet, there was one other finding in that 2020 report that is worth noting. Quote, a match with the highest championship significance observed in our data set would be expected to, draft to attract an aggregate audience size 96% higher than one with no implications at all for the prizes to be awarded at the end of the season. End quote. Even if the teams involved were the same, the researchers wrote. In other words, what fans really want, more than competitive balance, more than uncertainty of outcome, more than famous faces and powerful names, is jeopardy. They want, we want, as much Jeopardy as we can get. Games when it feels as if everything is on the line. That is what sells leagues. That is what attracts fans.
1: So what I'm hearing is more playoffs is what I'm hearing right now. Mm. Like I, mean, I playoffs, think they
2: do like playoffs.
1: Yeah, right? playoffs are That's the ultimate form of Jeopardy. It is single elimination, um, all on the line, win or go home. God,
0: the so Premier that- League would be so much better with an eight-team playoff at the end with the top eight places. So that's a God, that's a common so critique.
2: That's a common critique in MLS where it's like too many teams make the playoffs. So much of the regular season uh, feels feels meaningless because there's not a lot of jeopardy for like losing some games early in the year because it's a long season and all you gotta do is sneak in and then, you know, pro rel people are like well, if you're last game of the season, but you're out of it, you still may be playing for your life in the division. But the problem is, like, all the games between the teams between like five and sixteen, but there's are, there's some, have absolutely no stakes at all. But there's some know?
1: there's some psychological shit at work here, where it's like it's we as fans have this thing, and we're wired in such a way that we attach greater degrees of jeopardy to each subsequent game as the season goes along. When, if you look at it, if you miss Mm -hmm. the playoffs because you lose, if FC Cincinnati misses the playoffs because they lose to DC United on that last home, that last game on the road of the year, we look at that and as fans we say they had a chance to make the playoffs and they blew it in that DC United game. When really any three points along the way would have been the three points that put FC Cincinnati in the playoffs. So, (laughs) In a certain sense, by when you say, oh, that MLS is loaded with meaningless regular season games, the format of a league where playoffs are in play, the Jeopardy has this weird thing of artificially ramping as the season goes, despite mathematically it making absolutely no sense that it does.
2: So, yeah. so should MLS's messaging be less around like, you know, quote unquote decision day and more around just like hammering into people? throughout the year that there's so much parity in MLS and the margins are so tight that every point, every game matters. Yes.
1: Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, if that, I was doing a if I was doing an ad campaign for this league, or for any league really, I would have the I would have the, the the ad campaign designed around this idea of meaningless regular season game in May, this team loses, misses the playoffs by one game. Every game matters. Every game is the game that decides What could possibly happen right here and like if that's what fans want then then just then sell that sell the idea that these like we're talking about with fc cincinnati is that the games they didn't have matt miazga in for counted just as much as these games that they're going to have him in for and every moment that you wait to make your signing or make your move you're just putting yourself deeper in the hole
0: yeah, it's also the the branding that I think the Premier League has started to go with as the title races are tighter and tighter is like Liverpool drew Crystal Palace. And that's like, that's massive implications for the rest of the season that like they're they're unable uh, to get it done in these first couple of games. They might have already lost the title, like just, just screwing up those two games.
2: Ultimately, neither Germany nor France can offer that it is what is growing rarer by the season in the rest of europe's major leagues and quite a few of its minor ones too given the dis- distorting effects of champions league revenue throughout the continent but that is what we want more than anything seeing bayern and psg ride roughshod over all and sundry offers a short-term hit the fleeting satisfaction of all but at the cost of the greater prize there will be there will most likely be no decider In the bundesliga this season there will be no ultimate showdown how can there be when everything felt settled 43 minutes in
1: so what i'm hearing out of all of this is that the peak of sports in terms of the soccer world is mls with parity salary caps uh expanded format for playoffs Jeopardy that attaches a lot of high stakes games at the end of the season and ultimately the highest stake game of the season where the championship is decided on the field by two teams, winner take all.
2: So I think a fair reading of this is that an MLS framework with a little bit more spending, a little bit more loosening up some of the restrictions on ambitious teams to allow some ambitious teams to create some separation between themselves and, and and the rest of the league Ooh. would be kind of the perfect mix.
1: I have a name for this. they could call it the Super League. Yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm glad I'm so glad you went here because that is the inevitable like logical conclusion to leagues like France and Germany. like that the German League is not fun for Bayern either. Like, that that stops being entertaining when you're just whooping up on the minnows. You have to evolve, like, the next step, the next thing. I don't hate the idea of a European Super League, so long as Europe allows it to still feed teams in from a national league, but if England takes its top 4 teams every year and kicks it to a European league that plays a European exclusive season and then say the bottom 2 drop out for the top 2 who remained in England like who says no and then you can still do a nice big qualifying uh you know campaign for the smaller nations to fill in those last 3 or 4 spots but You go ahead and assign two spots from Spain, two spots from France, two spots from Germany, four spots from England, three from Italy. I don't know, whatever it is, and uh, you put together like a 32-team European League. Why the fuck not?
1: This article was long, but like it's such a fascinating thing to me because I I've asked this question before, and it's like this touches on so many different aspects of soccer fandom like the idea we've talked about on this podcast before that is mls holding itself back by not allowing a couple super teams to form that if all these players want to go to la new york and miami from overseas is mls holding itself back by not just saying you know what fuck it let miami soak up all these really high-priced talents from overseas that want to come over here and play let miami just dominate the league and then make them something that's like an international showcase um And this idea too that like a certain amount of this, I feel like it might even be baked into soccer fandom because this would be a really weird thing. So bear with me on this. If you look at like what sort of a lot of people's gateway drug into soccer fandom is, or how they express their soccer fandom when they're not watching games, it's they're playing FIFA. And what is the Mm -hmm. most popular mode in FIFA? It's the Ultimate Ultimate team Team mode, where you're like. You're collecting all these superstar players, putting them together on your squad, and building a squad of players to go out and stomp competition with, like, the best possible players. So it's like we're almost encouraging people to want to see these teams like PSG, where they're using Qatari money to just play Ultimate Team in real life.
0: Yes. Uh, Chief, that does get to a a league format that I would absolutely love and weirdly mls is like the only structure on earth that could actually pull this off which is a redraft league every year and so you assign every player's salary based on their overall draft ranking so if you're the number one overall, great. You've got the highest salary in the league. You're making fifteen million dollars a year. Second pick, you're making four point seven five million dollars a year. And you just like you work your way down, and I mean, just teams just like reload every year, and it's anybody's game. It'd be so much more fun. How how
1: far off, honestly? Like if you got everyone into a room and you told the the, the National Football League, we're going to change the format of this league to be like a keeper league in fantasy football, where That's, you can keep. You know, so many players and every year we redraft everyone else. And like the ratings would be electric for yes. that draft show every year.
0: Those are your DPs. Your keepers are your DPs, right? <laughs> and, then, and then everything else is redraft. I'm into this. <laughs> also, oh, you're just man.
1: you're you're just you're a, a boring person if you follow the Bundesliga. Just the most boring people follow the Bundesliga. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, what are you doing?
0: Like just, hey man, that's that's where all of the American strikers that are going to play in the World Cup play instead yeah. of Brandon Vasquez. And maybe that's
1: so. why we're never going to win a World Cup. Is because our plus players go over to play in a league that's p- more predetermined than the WWE? Like who gives a fuck?
0: <laughs> oh, well Grayson, thank you for 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 the enlightening read. I think it it, it was a good conversation. Um, part three we'll touch on very briefly. We'll go through uh, we'll we'll go through the uh, the weekend. Uh, in in terms of what FCC's got. All right, back at it, part three, real quick. New York City Red Bull. No, New York. Oh my gosh, I'm all over the place. New York Red Bulls is who the, the FC Cincinnati is playing in harrison new jersey uh shout out to the pride doing their new jersey appreciation week on twitter that was uh very amusing um my only note for this game uh chief and i I know you've expressed some worry about this as well on the pod is i believe we have cameron Obi, and lucho all one yellow card away from a yellow card suspension which would have them out for hell is real so i'll i'll put this to you would you bench any of them no, <laughs> but you think yes, about it. I'm, I'm thinking about it.
1: I mean, I don't think you play all three of them because I don't. Th- I think the nightmare mm. scenarios that they all pick red cards or yellow cards up. And here's the other thing too: is that like Red Bull is a team that is really, really good at drawing fouls, the yes. shithousery. We've documented it on this podcast before. Um, I, I do think that you have to think about not playing all those players, and I, I think that if you are up or down any significant margin in this game, that you got to think about pulling guys out that are on cards just to make sure they're available for Columbus. Because it, it is a the, the outcome to this game that would make the most amount of sense to me is Red Bull wins on a late goal, and also all three of these players accumulate cards and they're out for Columbus, and it's the double whammy. You lose your points here, and you probably screw your chances of getting anything out of the Columbus game.
2: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not super concerned about like Cameron being out against Columbus, because um, I, you know, we got Miazga now, and hopefully Murphy's healthy, and I, I, I'm okay running like Hagland, Miazga, Murphy out against the crew. Um, but it's so late in the season, and you don't want to give points away. And I'm definitely not benching Lucho against against Red Bulls, and. Yeah, I mean they they played really well, they played
1: well without Lucho when they had Mario <laughs> out there filling in the Lucho roller. Not I mean,
2: against not against Red Bull. I mean they they took
1: a Lucho. point out of that,
2: didn't they? Lucho got his red card against Red Bull. Well, he got he got his suspension from right. Yeah, he red he was Bull, suspended yeah. <laughs> against Red Bull, um, and that was like that was in like extra time or 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 something. But so, and I don't I don't know I don't I don't want to I don't want to bench Obi either. I think ob if he plays and doesn't get a yellow he loses one for his good credit for 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 good behavior right so he so if he plays (laughs) and does and, and doesn't get a yellow then he could take a yellow against the crew and then still not be suspended the next game if you if you bench him
1: See, I, I think you I think you bench him. We were talking earlier in the pod that he he's he's but racked if you, a if you bench of minutes shift.
2: If you bench him and he plays against the crew and gets yellow against the crew, then he's suspended the following game. Now I, I'm, I'm open I'm open to I'm opening to managing managing his minutes, you know? Right. Um like playing him playing him sixty and then and then pulling him depending on how how the game looks. Um, or maybe you make him a, a halftime sub or something. I don't know. But I I would like to see him on the field. I would like to see him. They need to be going for results. I think and just just tell if, him just tell him not to get a yellow. I mean, do his best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: how does that work against the fucking Red Bulls? Right, Aaron, right. it'll be Aaron Long out there baiting him into doing something I fucking would, stupid.
0: Uh, yeah. I would love MLS to have a rule where, when you get the the fifth yellow card for the suspension, that you could opt for yellow card probation, so that your player can still play. But if they pick up a yellow, it's an instant red, and, and they're out for the the whole rest of the game. So it's or like, you can
1: or you can elect to take the yellow suspension as a red for the remainder of that game, and just be like, ooh. okay, like he's gotten his card accumulation. You know what? we'll just we'll take the red right here it'll be okay
0: (laughs) yes i like that i like that a lot um the only other point i have for this game uh what's our best back three chief who would would you put as the best back three i'll say assuming everybody is healthy
1: uh hagland miazga and probably cameron for the first like 50 minutes and then Murphy for the next 40 like some combination of the two of them I don't think yeah. Cameron's a 90 minute player at this point but I think that if you if, if you watch him correctly and you know when to pull the ripcord on him I think he can be a very very effective tool deployed uh, so I, that just you can't put Tyler Blackett on the field you can't do it yeah. if, if you're putting Tyler Blackett on the field at this point you are saying I am okay conceding a backbreaking goal that that's just what that and that's what I'm okay with and if that doesn't happen I'll be pleasantly surprised but that I am okay with conceding because he is just not good.
0: Yeah. Grayson, any argument for Murphy over Cameron as a starter at this point?
2: Uh, if if Mur- if Murphy is 100% healthy um yeah. I would like to see Murphy, Miasga, Hagland and then Cameron can come on later in the game as a sub when he's up against tired attackers and his lack of, you know, lack of speed and and age are less of a, less of a detriment. I mean, none of our, yeah. none of our center backs are like, you know, overwhelmingly good athletes, <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's probably the most athletic back. That's probably the most athletic back three we can, we can put together. Um, and I, I think there's no way you can. I think there's no way, barring injury or red card, that Miazio doesn't go full 90 today. I mean, he went up on the call-up podcast this week, and they asked him, What's the team you want to beat this year more than any other team? And he said, Red Bulls. Right. Let's,
1: I think we. I, I have. I'm. Call me weird. I think we win this game. I think we owe him one. Ooh, I think we're going to yeah. win like 2-1. Like, I think that. There's some receipts, too I think Lucho will be heavily motivated in this game, which is an argument for playing him because he definitely owes these motherfuckers one um, <laughs> so yeah I, i'm I'm strangely a lot more confident about this game than I am about Columbus in two weeks so
0: yeah i I buy that I buy that completely. Um, is there anything else we want to touch on before we get out of here on uh on New York Red Bull or uh anything else? no. Don't defend refs.
1: They don't deserve it.
0: Don't don't defend refs. Well, there you go. That's how we're going to have to end it. Uh, Postcast episode 25. Uh, Thank you for listening. We'll catch you on the next one.
2: Fuck Fuck Columbus. Columbus. (laughs) Got it. Got it. (laughs)